Welcome to Salt and Light with Pastor Rodney Finch. Salt and Light is a radio outreach ministry of Calvary Chapel, Cary. Jesus, speak to me. Open your word and reveal your heart to me. Salt and Light is a series of verse-by-verse studies through the Bible, focusing on its practical application to our everyday lives. Salt and Light is recorded live at Calvary Chapel, Cary, in Apex, North Carolina. Stay tuned. At the end of the program, we will give you information on how to contact us, so be sure to have a pen and paper ready. Today, Pastor Rodney will be teaching from the book of Philemon, so grab your Bibles and follow along. Now with today's teaching, here's Pastor Rodney. It's a blessing being yoked up in in slavery to Jesus Christ, who is the quintessential, excellent model, ideal of a master, is great. Where my people at? It is great. Now, notice in verse 17. Oh, great time. Look at verse 17. Paul hears a story from this runaway slave, and Paul said, you got to go back. Because it's the right thing to do. So Paul sends this letter to Philemon saying, verse 17, Philemon, if you count me a partner, if our relationship meant anything to you, receive Onesimus as you would me. Accept him as you would accept me. Forgive him as you would forgive me. Hold no obligation against him as you would hold no obligation against me. And then in verse 18, if he has wronged you or owes you anything, put that on my account or charge it to my account. Now listen, this is awesome. Paul is talking about, I told you, small book, big meaning. Paul is talking about the doctrine of imputation. Imputation? What's that, Rodney? The word impute is an accounting term, and it means to pass to one's account. It also means to reckon. It could be translated credited. When you become a Christian, God imputed, are you listening? When you become a Christian, God imputed or credited your sin to Jesus' account. Jesus took our sin on his account and then passed over righteousness to our account. Anybody happy about that? That's a blessing. And then in Romans chapter 4 verse 8, it says, Happy is the man to whom the Lord shall not impute sin. In other words, whatever you have done wrong, listen, Whatever you've done wrong in your whole life, whatever sin that you have committed this morning on the way to church. Maybe you were yelling at your kids in the car on the way to church. Maybe you and your husband was having some loud fellowship on the way to church. Pulled up in the church parking lot. Y'all just said, ah, don't you even think you're going to go in that church that all holy. Get in the parking lot, somebody, Christian comes up. How you doing? Praise the Lord. <laughs> How's things going? Fine. Oh, bless the Lord, oh my soul, and all that is within me. Bless his holy name. Maybe, maybe that happened. Maybe, maybe, maybe on the way in the church, you cut somebody off in the parking lot. You know who you are. 
Whatever it is you've done wrong, God's not holding it against you. God loves you. Jesus died on a hill called Calvary. And when he died, our sins were put on his account. He paid a debt he did not owe. I owed a debt I could not pay. Jesus paid it all. All to him I owe. Sin has left the crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. That's imputation. Our sins are imputed, charged to, credited to his account. Think about it like this. A man uh, was caught uh, stealing milk, and he was arrested and taken before the judge. The judge asked him, how do you plead? There was only one way he could plead, guilty. He asked for mercy from the court. The judge said, since you pled guilty, you have no alternative but to find the man. I've got no alternative but to find the man guilty and impose a fine. Well, the fine was $10. The man stands there discouraged because he can't pay. The judge gets up, walks off the bench, grabbed his wallet, took 10 bucks, went over to the clerk's desk and paid the fine and set the man free. Then he walks over to the man and wrote the man a check for $100. Listen, saints, that's the good news of imputation. Jesus paid the price by dying on the cross, and now we no longer owe anything. The ledger is wiped clean, and we have a zero balance on our account. But Jesus did even more. Not only did he die and, and, and pay our debt, but then he did something, he did something more. He, he put something in our account. So we no longer are bankrupt. He put righteousness in our account. And that is what 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21 tells us. For he made him, saints, read it with me. For he made him, everybody read it with me. For he made him who knew no sin to be sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God in him. That's imputation. God made Jesus to be sin for us, and then he gave us righteousness. And now we're not guilty. Listen, it is one thing to say you're not guilty, and it's another thing to say you're innocent. Did you hear me? It's one thing to say you're not guilty. It's another thing to say you're innocent. God doesn't just say we're not guilty. God sees us as innocent, as if we never sinned. Now, we call this the doctrine of justification. So in this small book, small, small book, big meaning, big stuff in here, imputation. Now we have justification. What is justification? Go ahead and scream it out. Anybody know justification? What is it? Just as if I, that's the way you can look at it. Just as if I never sinned. Justification is a legal term, a pronunciation of rightness and innocence. God doesn't just say we're forgiven and he won't remember our sins anymore. God says you're innocent because of Calvary's cross. And now we can approach God boldly and fellowship with him continually because we are justified. Bible students, listen, imputation, justification, all comes about because of Propitiation. What? Propitiation. That is just a big theological word. It simply means, write it down, appeased. Propitiation. P R O P I T. 
I-A-T-I-O-N. It means appeased. It means that Jesus' death on the cross satisfied, appeased God's righteous indignation because of man's sin. And now everybody, anybody who puts their faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ, righteousness is imputed to them, and then God sees them as justified. Imputation, justification, propitiation, all leads to glorification, because someday we're going to be with Jesus. I don't know. Can somebody get glad about that? Someday we're going to be glorified with Jesus Christ in heaven. I don't know about y'all, but I can't wait. It's time to go, y'all. Someday we're going to be with the Lord. Big stuff. Well, let me just wrap up a few things real quick. Paul He's encouraging Philemon to simply forgive Onesimus. You know that. In the remaining time I want to give you, I want you to write these down. Please write them down. I want to give you four fundamentals of forgiveness. Four fundamentals of forgiveness. Forgiveness, number one, is rooted in God's forgiveness. Forgiveness is rooted in God's forgiveness. I don't know. Have you noticed? Sometimes church folks can be hard to get along with. Have you noticed? A little bit. People in church can be hard to get along with people in church. You know, it was Chuck Swindoll who said this. I love it. He said, to dwell above with saints we love, well, that will be grace and glory. To live below with saints we know, well, that's another story. (laughs) That's the truth. It's hard to get along with Christians sometimes, but forgiveness is rooted in God's forgiveness. Listen, one of the chief characteristics of God is that of forgiveness. Our God is a God of forgiveness. Can the church say amen? He's a God of forgiveness. Psalm 86, verse 5. For you, Lord, are good and ready to forgive. Psalm 103, 3. Who forgives all our iniquities, who heals all our diseases. Exodus 34. The Lord, merciful, gracious, long-suffering, abounding in goodness, forgiving iniquity. The word forgiven, it means to send away. It means to send away. And without forgiveness, we wouldn't have Christianity. Without the forgiveness of God, we would be condemned sinners without God, without hope, and doomed to hell. You know, I think of Matthew chapter 18. I think you know the story. It was Jesus who laid out a plan uh, if someone sinned against you. And Peter said, Jesus, how often do I have to forgive someone who sins against me? Now, the other side, listen, the other side of Peter's question sounds like this. Jesus, if my brother sins against me over and over and over again, when can I stop being patient with him and slap him? It's in the Greek. If you read your Bible, you would know that. When do I, when can I stop? And then remember, Peter said, seven times, Jesus, seven times. Can I do it at seven times? Is that the number? See, Peter's thinking, I need to know because there are some people that are already on six. (laughs) And Peter also thought, now Peter also thought, I'm just being, I'm being generous because, listen, the rabbis taught that you only had to forgive a person three times. And at the third time, then you have to forgive them anymore. So Peter's thinking, well, I'm going to be generous. I'm going to be really generous seven times. Lord, Seven times? Jesus said, no, Pete, 
Not seven times, but what saints? Seven times 70. 490? Peter's thinking 490. Who can keep up with that? Jesus said bingo. So you didn't know bingo's in there too. It's in the Greek. You didn't know. If you read your Bible, you would know these things. It's not my fault. Bingo. 486, 487, 488, 489, 490. That's it. That's your forgiveness quota. That's enough. No, that's not what Jesus is saying. Listen, like love, listen, like love, forgiveness is not a matter of mathematics. Remember 1 Corinthians 13, the love chapter? Some of y'all had it preached at your, at your wedding. Almost at funeral, but maybe for some it was a funeral, I don't know. But at the love chapter, love is patient, love is kind, love keeps no record of wrong. Married folk, listen to me. Love is not a scoreboard, love is not. A place where you keep records of wrong. Well, you did this then, and you did that then. Well, listen, and ladies, listen, y'all need to own this. Y'all, y'all good at that. Women remember, they got a steel trap memory. Women, fellas, listen, and if you're not married, you need to really listen, okay? <laughs> Women, they remember stuff. I'm telling you, Miss Elvira, that woman, she got a steel trap memory. I'm, I'm telling you, she, she remembers stuff. I, she's like, I remember back. Back in 1982, you were sitting on the couch. You were wearing a red shirt and some jeans, and you had your hair. You had a big old afro like my sister over there, and you, you were like, woo. And, and I remember you said this, and that day you said that. I'm like, how do you remember stuff like that? I don't even know if I was alive then. What are you talking about? Who remembers things like this? Women. Go ahead, ladies. Say amen. You know I'm right. Y'all got a memory like a steel trap memory. Listen, your memory and remembering someone's sins is no place in the marriage. Forgiveness, 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 forgiveness. Over and over how many times? 490 does not speak of a number. It speaks of the fact that you need to be forgiving over and over and over and over again until you, 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 until you can't forgive anymore, until you're done. And that means when you're done in the presence of the Lord, you need to forgive over and over. That's the only way that your marriage will last. Good marriages are made. They don't happen. Good marriages are made. They don't happen. You have to work on your marriage. You got to talk to each other. You got to spend time with each other and listen and don't keep stuff. You know, there's one thing. I don't even know why I'm like down this path. God got me down here. Okay, listen. One thing that that I've always really kind of, this is not like a guy word, okay, but I'm going to use it anyway. Cherished. <laughs> That's so not a guy word. And uh, I, just, I just cherished it. But I, I'm lacking a better word, I guess. But the one thing I just love about, you know, my, my, my marriage and my wife is that, you know, we always talk to each other. Always, no matter how bad it was. And we never let things build up. 
She's not like that. Now, yes, she will remember things, but we don't let things build up. Something happens, we talk about it. We deal with it in the moment. We deal with it in the appropriate time. Maybe not the moment is not the time, but we deal with it. We talk to each other, and we pray for one another, and we pray together, and we both love Jesus together. And that's how good marriages succeed, and that's how good marriages work, because you don't keep records of wrong. You forgive each other, and you move on understanding that you have been forgiven much. And when you have been forgiven much, how dare you ask God to forgive you when you are not willing to forgive somebody else? Now clap your hands like you know what I'm talking about. How dare we? We're quick to go to God. Am I right about it? We are quick to go to God. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. Lord, forgive me. God forgives you. Somebody else asks you, well, I'll forgive you, but I ain't going to forget it. (laughs) Don't we? I'll forgive, but I don't want to. I won't forget it. Listen, God wants you to send it away. Forgiveness is rooted in the fact that God has forgiven us. And God expects people who have been forgiven much to forgive much. Christians should be the most forgiving folk on the earth. Two important quotes. Spurgeon, C.H. Spurgeon, my favorite preacher. He said, I come to the cross to be forgiven. I stay at the cross to be forgiving. C.S. Lewis said, to be a Christian means to forgive the inexcusable because God has forgiven the inexcusable in you. Forgiveness is rooted in God's forgiveness. Point number two, forgiveness is is essential. I didn't say it was easy. I said it was essential. Colossians chapter 3, it tells us in Colossians, I've got that on the screen for you, so as those who have been chosen of God, holy and beloved, put on a heart of compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience, bearing with one another, and doing what, saints? What can everybody read? And doing what, saints? Uh Uh-huh. Whoever has a complaint against anyone, just as the Lord, what? Ah, so you should do what? Forgive other people. Just as God forgave you, so should you forgive other people. Ephesians chapter 4 verse 32 tells us, forgiving one another just as God forgave you. Forgiveness is essential. And at the same time, forgiving isn't natural. It's supernatural. Forgiveness is beyond us. It's the work of God in us. If we want forgiveness, then it's essential that you are forgiving. And did you know this? Listen, I'm gonna let you out of here. Did you know this? That harboring, holding unforgiveness is sin? Yeah, it is. According to Psalm 66, verse 18, if I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Interesting. Point number three, forgiveness is an act of obedience. In verse 21, in Philemon, go ahead and peek at it. Having confidence in your boldness, I write to you knowing that you will do even more than I say. Paul had every reason to expect that Philemon would fulfill his Christian duty and forgive Onesimus out of obedience to the Lord and respect for their friendship. Showing forgiveness isn't a suggestion. It's a command. Loving your brother is not a suggestion. It's a command. It's also freeing. It's freeing to the person being forgiven. 
and freeing to the one who's doing the forgiving. Well, Rodney, you don't know what so-and-so did to me, and you don't know what my husband did to me and what he said to me, and you don't know what my ex is doing to me in court or what my ex is doing to me in front of my children. You don't know my family background and what a family member did to me so many years ago. You don't know. And I told my mom, she didn't believe me. You don't know. Listen, don't listen to Dr. Phil. Amen. Let the church say amen. Don't listen to Oprah. Well, she ain't on no more, so you're good. Um, don't, don't listen. Uh-uh, uh-uh, uh-uh. Dr. Phil will tell you, well, let's, can you lay on my couch? We're going to go back in your past, and we're going to take a bat with us. And we're going back to the past, and we're going to beat up that person that did that thing to you. And then when you come back to wherever you into yourself or whatever, you're going to feel better and you're forgiving them because and you'll move on because you beat that person up. Listen, the Bible doesn't say that. The Bible says forgetting those things behind, reaching forward to the things ahead. The Bible says that you need to forgive because the Holy Spirit is within you and he has given you the power to forgive. And you also ought to forgive for the sheer knowledge that you have been forgiven. Is anybody listening? And for the sheer knowledge that you have been forgiven. And thus, you should forgive. And when you decide to forgive, listen, you will be free from them. Bitterness and unforgiveness is holding you hostage, don't you know? It's making you a prisoner, and it's going to destroy you. Unforgiveness is like drinking rat poison and then waiting for the rat to die. And you get that on the way home. It's like drinking rat poison. And then you're waiting for the rat to die. That's what unforgiveness is like. It does nothing to the person you're holding unforgiveness against. And so you're angry and you're bitter and you're fuming and you're gnashing your teeth. You know, research has linked unforgiveness to cancer and ulcers and high blood pressure and mental breakdowns. And that's why Jesus says, forgive because he knows it's for your well-being. Finally, forgiveness is man's greatest need. Think about it. Think about it. Man's greatest need. Onesimus is on the road back to Colossae with this letter. And I wonder what he was thinking. Maybe he's thinking when I get back, my master is going to kill me. Maybe he won't. Maybe he'll show grace to me. Maybe he won't. But either way, listen, Onesimus has been forgiven. He's coming back on the same road, different, changed, forgiven. Now he's on the road to forgiveness And as Onesimus carries this letter on the road to forgiveness, his greatest need wasn't money. His greatest need wasn't freedom. His greatest need wasn't a new master. His greatest need was the forgiveness of sins, and that's exactly what God gave him. Man's greatest need is forgiveness. Listen to this. If our greatest need had been information, God would have sent us an educator. If our greatest need had been technology, God would have sent us a scientist. If our greatest need had been money, God would have sent us an economist. But since our greatest need was forgiveness, God sent us a Savior. And this Savior, his name is Jesus, who forgave us and saved us of our sins. Isn't that awesome? That is true. That is true. And Philemon, Paul said to Philemon, whatever it costs, I'll pay it. Just restore Onesimus. Jesus says to us today, whatever it costs, I'll pay it. It cost his life. It cost his blood. It caused the ultimate sacrifice. He was willing to pay it so that we could be set free. 
And it doesn't matter how bad your sin. It doesn't matter how long you've been sinning. And it doesn't matter how much you've been sinning. There's no sin that Jesus cannot forgive. It was Billy Sunday who said that God is able to save from the guttermost to the uttermost. There's no sin that God can't forgive you of. But you have to call out to him and you have to ask him. God, forgive me, whatever it is. Can I encourage you? Can I encourage you? You know, if there's someone in your, 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 your past, in your, in, your, in your life, that you need to forgive. Can I encourage you to do that? After knowing what you know. Forget, unforgiveness is sin. Maybe your Christianity is kind of blah. Could it be that you're holding unforgiveness in your heart? And God's not allowing you to move forward until you make it right. Somebody in the family could be somebody across the aisle. Maybe somebody in the, on the other side of the room that you've been holding bitterness and unforgiveness against. Forgive them. God has forgiven you. You have been listening to Salt and Light, a radio outreach ministry of Pastor Rodney Finch in Calvary Chapel, Cary located in Apex, North Carolina. Join Pastor Rodney Monday through Friday at this same time. For information regarding service times, you can contact us at 1-800-293-0923. That's 1-800-293-0923. You may listen to today's broadcast in its entirety by visiting the Media Library on our website at cccarry.org. We would like to thank you for tuning in to Salt and Light and pray that you have been blessed. Until next time, may you be salt and light.